As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 166 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, uh, we did adjusted OPS last week. Let's do it again. A 166 adjusted OPS for Roberto Hernandez in 1997 for the Giants. Huh? Roberto Hernandez? Really? Roberto Hernandez, the reliever, he was a uh, uh, one for two. Um, <laughs> but he he also had a 168 uh, adjusted ERA, right? So he was a good pitcher, good hitter. So I'm just going to drop a, a, a comp here, uh, Shohei Otani. Oh, there you go. He's the Jose Quintana of his day. Jose Quintana, the only player on the Giants who has a higher OPS than Brandon <laughs> Belt. You can look it up. It's true. It's something about those angel pitchers. I don't know what they're uh. feeding them. I love little tidbits like that. Roberto Hernandez, I think about a lot because he was such a unicorn when he was around in the the 90s, throwing 100 miles per hour. Uh, Didn't really know where it was going, but it didn't matter because who could catch up with 100 miles per hour? And I honestly, I wonder if he would be, uh, how effective he would be in modern baseball. Would he still be a closer? Would he be a fringe guy? Like, I have no idea how his stuff would play in, in 2021. That was the infamous white flag trip trade that they got him, right? When uh, basically Dick Tidrow walked into the Bard's room at Comiskey Park and he and Ron Schuler started opening cans of of, uh, of delicious (laughs) beverages and like they just kept adding players. We'll give you a Mike Caruso. We'll give you Danny Darwin. Let's just trade the whole team for each other. So um, yeah, that was uh, that was quite and poor one out for Dick Tidrow, by the way, a big loss for the Giants uh, this year. And and he was he was the guy who was behind a lot of those deals. He was behind drafting a lot of the guys uh, that you've enjoyed and seen in Giants uniforms and that you will see today in a Arizona Diamondbacks uniform. Yeah, I really enjoyed going back and, and reading uh, a lot of what you had written about Dick. Dick Tidrow before his passing, then after his passing, uh, what you wrote. And so, yeah, if you don't know about the legend of Dick Tidrow, uh, educate yourself because 
there is a legend to learn. Um, but let's talk about, let's see, the Giants will never lose again and neither will the Dodgers. Is that about right? You know, I was kind of laughing to myself last night as I'm writing a game story. It's like, well, this is something that no Giants beat writer has done since, oh, 1905 is write a story <laughs> about their 104th win. And and then, by the way, oh, it looks like they're going to go up three on the Dodgers. They got this one. Oh, nope, nope. Actually, the Dodgers just hit 8,000 home <laughs> runs and came back and beat the Padres. So it's still, they're only two games up with four to play. I mean, it, it, and you think, well, they've got it in hand. They certainly have it within their destiny. They even have some margin for error now. They can lose one and, and still, uh, you know, the Dodgers can't do anything about it. But uh, the Giants have to keep winning. They have to keep winning. And and I think we all expected that, you know, they weren't going to run away with this division at any point. And here we are, four games left, and they've just got the end is near, and they can see it in sight. They've got 104 wins, and they need probably a couple more. When you are writing something that hasn't happened since 1905, are you writing it like in that voice where it's like, oh, the Bullet Boys from West Gotham, they have won 104, <laughs> they haven't done that. Like, oh, that's how I would do it. I'm not telling you how to do your job. Yes, clickety-clack, clickety-clack on my big <laughs> manual keyboard with those big long keys. Yeah, exactly. Were you uh, scoreboard watching while you were writing last night? Uh, were you able to, to kind of get a vibe of what the Dodgers and Padres were doing? Oh, yeah, for sure. And and then, you know, we were in our post-game interviews and everything, and, and, uh, and then the Dodgers <laughs> Dodgers come back uh, against uh, uh, Emilio Pagan with just the home run after home run after home run. And you're thinking, wow, yeah, this is because you're, you're basically looking to update your story with, you know, just how, how you sort of frame, you know, three game lead versus how you frame a two game. lead. It's pretty different. Right. And so, um, you know, I waited until after all that was over to to really write up that section of my story and, and, and have the full context. But, yeah, it's like. Damn, you, just when you think, okay, this is going to be the day where really the division turns and it becomes pretty clear who's going to win it, uh, the Dodgers just refuse to to bow out. So, yeah, it's it's. It, it, I think the most remarkable day was last week when, when the Giants were in San Diego and, and they <laughs> lost the lead and the Dodgers came back like within a 90-second span. You know, you're like, wow, that's a, just a huge swing in the standings right there. So um, it's, it's been awesome. It's been, it's been some picture-in-picture picture fun to, to watch, that's for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I had plans to stay up all night and write uh, about how uh, just the the vibes, the, the feeling of the Giants being able to clinch against Madison Bumgarner and how weird that was. Uh, and that, of course, needed the Padres to hang on. So when all those home runs uh, were hit, I crumpled my computer uh, like it was a piece of binder paper and threw it over my shoulder. It's an expensive habit of uh, to show my frustration, but I felt it was the only thing I could do because I wasted a lot of words in the Padres. Uh, they screwed that up. That's why you buy the extended warranty every time. <laughs> the Apple Store hates me. They absolutely hate me. No, it's wild. And uh, 
listen, I what I was thinking about it when I was when I was watching that game, I was thinking just two words kept popping into my head, Bruce Bochy. Like the Padres are 1 billion percent going to hire Bruce Bochy after this season. Uh, I was kind of giving Jace Tingler the benefit of the doubt because, uh, you know, Hunter Pence really loves him. He's one of uh, Pence's favorite baseball uh, people uh, in the whole sport. And, and uh, he seems like a good dude. He seems like uh, the players like him, but I just I, it doesn't seem like it's working out for him. And I think the Padres want to make a big splash with a, a big head. I didn't know where to take that <laughs> i mean and it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be like a personal like um sort of i guess referendum on the guy because we've seen how you can just have not a great fit or you can value things that the people who hired you or the people who hired them don't value and i'm thinking obviously of gabe kapler in philadelphia and it didn't work out well for him but clearly he had a lot of things that he could bring to the table he had a lot of skills uh, a lot of the things that um, he wanted to incorporate cultures he wanted to create you have to have buy-in all the way up the chain for that to work and we've seen how it's worked in san francisco i'm not saying that's exactly what happened with jace tingler or this is you know ownership's fault in san diego or um you know whatever but you know clearly there is a disconnect somewhere and uh um, it probably is going to mean a managerial change. I think we all expect that at the at this point. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that Jace Tingler's done and he's a field manager and he'll never get another shot and he's just mm-hmm. bad at this. You know, it could just mean that it just didn't fit. Pieces didn't fit and sometimes that happens. Yeah, and it, it just goes back to what we were talking about on Monday where the Giants just have to assume the Dodgers are going to win every game. They cannot expect help. They can expect other teams to, to screw up and give Dodgers an advantage. It's like, say, the Brewers with Devin. Devin Williams, uh, you know that Devin Williams punching a wall and fracturing his hand is somehow going to lead to Hunter Strickland against Max Muncy in the eighth <laughs> inning of a game. You just know it like you can see it. And uh, maybe if that's a little too on the nose, uh, I do believe that the Brewers have uh, Yandel Gustave uh, on their roster, too. So one of those two ex-Giants legends uh, will be against Max Muncy in Devin Williams place. And what are you going to do about that? You can't do anything. Yeah. So I will I will tell you a brief aside about my fantasy team, which I I never talk about because <laughs> because no one ever wants to, t- to hear about your fantasy team. But I will say that I had Devin Williams on my fantasy team. And mm. so, you know, missing him for the last week, not a huge deal. But I don't know what's going on with players on my fantasy team and punching walls. Because earlier in this season, I had the first supplemental draft pick one week. And I had to choose between Carlos Rodon, who no one had drafted, and Huascar Enoa of the Braves, who came up and was just punching tickets. And I thought, boy, Rodon's off to a great start. But, oh, look at his walk rate. This is not sustainable. Sustainable. I'm going to go with the Flash. I'm going to go with the kid. And so I took Enoa, and like not 30 seconds later, he punches a wall, puts himself out for three months, and Carlos Rodon pipes up and says, oh, by the way, uh, you should have taken me. I'm going to be on Cy Young ballots. So, yeah, that was the beginning of the end for me. I don't know why I drafted wall punchers, but I would like to maybe incorporate that into my um, research uh, for next year's draft. Dudes rock. I mean, dudes, you know, we're just, we're just going to punch walls, I guess. That's just, yeah. uh, are you a wall puncher? I'm not, I'm not really a wall puncher. No, no, I don't think so. And what, what's crazy to me is that is that you could be a wall puncher and you'd be a pitcher. And also, you have a choice. You have, like, 
two fists in front of you, you could choose to punch the wall with the one that you don't get paid to throw a baseball with. And I mean, there are pitchers who are so risk averse that you'll see, you could even walk through a clubhouse whenever we used to be able to do that. And you could see a player who's got like an arm sleeve of tattoos. And you'd know immediately if they're a lefty or righty because they don't get their their pitching arm tatted up as much as they would get their other arm. Just in case, Mm, just in case something goes horribly wrong. Um, (laughs) So I don't have my slider grip. It must be this giant tiger on my arm. so, yeah, the, the, why you would punch a wall with your pitching hand is just beyond me. Yeah, no, I, it's not it's not something I can understand. Uh, and, I, you know, it might, it, as of right now, it's affecting the Giants uh, as, hey, it would be nice if the Dodgers had to face this guy. But it could also affect the Giants where they're not going to have to face him. And he is a nasty, I know they, they got to him once, but he is nasty. And so if you're going to an NLCS against a Brewers team without Devin Williams, I mean, gosh, that's like the 2010 Giants uh, missing Chipper Jones or something. I mean, it, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, you look at some of the other injuries that have happened to other teams, Chipper Jones being one of them. You know, like you said, the, the Braves had to play Brooks Conrad at, at second base in 2010 in the, in the NLDS. And that was one of the things that that allowed the Giants to squeak past them because they were missing, um, you know, Prado and and uh, and Chipper and, and a bunch of other guys. Uh, it seemed like the team got really, really uh, had a lot of injuries down the stretch and, and basically hardly had a functional offense because of it. So that can definitely affect things. We, we've seen it before. Injuries can open up the door for other people to play that, you know, uh, become uh, have their sort of one shining moment uh, uh, day in baseball. So um, it, it is funny how how all of those vagaries can come about and and, and maybe even uh, lead to some good things as, as you know somebody else gets an opportunity and, and and becomes a household name. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So where we are at now is that the Giants, if they win two out of the remaining four games, the Dodgers would need uh, to run the table and win all four of their games in order to force a 162nd uh, or 163rd game. Uh, that is, I mean, when you put it like that, it puts into perspective that the Giants really do have a lot of control where they can win, you know, if they win three out of four, you know, that that's it. Um, but also, if they just if they just win a couple, the Dodgers would still have to to win out just to force that game. Uh, so that's that's what a two game lead means with four left. It's a it's a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal. Um, I, I think back again to 2010, where they were up you know, three Mm. entering the final weekend against the Padres. And in that case, obviously they're playing the Padres at home. That's the team that's chasing them. And so they needed to just win one out of three games. And what happened? Uh, Matt Cain pitched terribly. Barry Zito pitched terribly. And it took uh, some game 162 magic from Jonathan Sanchez, including a triple, um, to to clinch on the last day of the regular season. I think that, that maybe it would be all everyone would would like to clinch a little bit before 
game 162, but they've got Logan Webb lined up for 162. He has not taken a loss since early May. It's the longest streak, I believe 19 consecutive starts now, that he's gone without having an L hung on him. Longest by a giant since Mike Kruko in 1987-88. So they're lined up well. They've got Kevin Gossman who can pitch Friday. So, you know, basically I think they're set up pretty well to do what they have to do. And this is a team that has not really dropped the ball all year. They haven't really gone into a tailspin all year. They haven't looked at any point like they're panicking or the game gets too fast for them. So it would really be out of character if they had their step back at this point. But you know what? The Dodgers are going to put pressure on them all the way. I think they showed that again last night. You brought up Mike Kruko's name in in comparison to Logan Webb and the the streak he's on. Uh, Do you think Logan Webb would make a good color commentator at the end of his career? No, because you'd have to have the 10 second delay on him because he likes to... uh... He likes to use the colorful metaphors. Uh, he, he he definitely he definitely enjoys it. He's got sort of an impish sense of humor when it comes to. It's not quite Timmy dropping the f bombs uh, with Amy G on live air, but uh, yeah, he 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 definitely likes to to. Uh, to, 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 to engage in some blue talk, I guess. I'm looking over this roster and just, it looks like just a bunch of future color commentators. I mean, all the way, you know, down to Johnny Cueto, I think would be excellent at it on, on the, the Spanish side. It like, it just, it, I guess that goes back to the flaw, the, the no turds thing we keep talking about. It just a lot of interesting guys who, who know how to put sentences together. Yeah. So, you know, they've got, uh, they've got basically, um, Oh, uh, I should mention that they all came out with uh, uh, captain's hats on and Brandon Belt yes. hats, Brandon Belt t-shirts with the, a C that looked like it was sort of done in duct tape uh, with, with Belt's number on the back. They were all wearing those t-shirts uh, the other day. That, that's just what this team has been all about. You know, they, they definitely have banded together in, in a lot of ways. And and I, I really wish that we could have been in the clubhouse this year because I think a lot of that would have been, um, we would have gotten to see more of it and, and report on it and tell you more about it. And that's, that's to me the, the most fun part of, of my job but uh, um, you know we're getting a flavor of it and, and everything that we we hear uh, coming out of the clubhouse and everything Brandon Belt was saying before he got hurt was that this was the best clubhouse he'd been a part of so um, you know you got to think that they're going to be all in lockstep all focused on on the same goal here in these next couple days so refresh my memory I don't I really remember what day it is who I'm talking to uh, it's all kind of blending together did we talk we talked on Monday before we knew the extent of Brandon Belt's injury is that correct yeah I believe so because mo- Monday I think they later they they said that there was a fracture and then Tuesday yeah. Um, they didn't have an official prognosis, but uh, you know, I learned that they they they're basically saying, look, it's going to take four weeks for the bone to heal, and and then he can start doing some baseball work and ramping up, and maybe if it starts healing a little faster, they can accelerate things a little bit. But four weeks from the day that they that that uh, from Tuesday was game is game one of the World Series. So you know, it, it, if they make the World Series, is there an outside shot that maybe they could carry him on the roster? Uh, and he could, you know, maybe have a Kirk Gibson type moment, maybe. Uh, but uh, apart from that, um, that's it. That, that's it. That's it for Brandon Belt, and he's going to be a free agent, and we don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, you know, I think that, uh, honestly, I think you could make a case if you had to choose between Chris Bryant and Brandon Belt right now, which one do you want to resign? I, I, I think Brandon Belt is probably the guy you'd want, but uh, maybe that, maybe, I don't know if we want to talk about that or, or, or if you have thoughts about that. Well, I'd, first, I'd just like to uh, enter into the record uh, how I feel about the Brandon Belt injury. Uh, I, I, I think it sucks. Um, that, that's my hot take. I, I am not in favor of it. It's just such a drag. I mean, I know that the Giants are 
capable at first base that you can run guys out there. You have a lot of experience uh, all the way down to Kirk Casale played a couple innings there this year. I mean, you have guys who can fill in. You have good uh, hitters with Ruff and Wade, and you can have La Stella play there and Flores. Like you can have two different platoons if you want with uh, La Stella and Flores and Ruff and Wade, which is wild. At the same time, gosh dang, like Belt was a, a hot Brandon Belt is one of like nature's greatest gifts. And when he gets hot, he can carry a team. And unless like Alex Dickerson does his best Brandon Belt impression, uh, I it's just it's it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt a lot because he was so very productive. Yeah, I for me, I think where it hits is just knowing him for a decade and, and knowing mm-hmm. that you know he's been sort of had something in his way all the time, whether it was Marco Scudero throwing a baseball that he didn't see coming that hit him in the head and gave him a concussion yeah. or, or or just weird freaky injuries. And you say, well, the guy's injury prone, but he's not injury prone like he's brittle. He's injury prone like, you know, he, he falls into a, in a trap door kind of a thing. You know, just things happen to him. And they're not anything that you can control. It's like the he's, he's brittle in sort of a universal bad luck way, um, not, not a physical way. And here he is in his age 33 season, and he did miss some time, but he comes back from what looked like it could have been a, a season-ending knee injury when it happened, uh, the, the knee that he had surgery on a couple years ago that really, you know, he needed a whole year to recover from. And and miraculously, not only does he come back pretty quick, but he's he hit 18 home runs since he came off the injured list in early August. We're talking about 160-something at-bats. And that tied the most he'd ever hit in the season in his career. I mean, he's locked in. He's just talking to him last week in San Diego. I mean, his his comments were, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of what I've accomplished, and I don't want to waste this. I, I, I want to uh, you know, I want to do the best I can for this team because we got we got places to go here. I don't want to waste this. And not a week later, right? It's just you, you just sort of feel feel for the guy and and everything he's kind of gone through and realizing even as he hears a, a crowd cheering for him, he knows there are people in there they're going to be calling KNBR later and and saying that he's got slumpy shoulders and he shouldn't have taken strike three and everything. And he's he's had more doubters than than anybody uh, associated with the Giants' you know, championship runs. So. Um, you know, he, he was really in a great, great mental place and, and, and doing some great things. And and, uh, and and to have that all get interrupted, it, yeah, it sucks. Uh, yeah, and to answer your question about should the Giants focus on him, I think it's not necessarily an either or with him and Chris Bryant, but I do think that Brandon Belt is something of a priority. Uh, we're going back to uh, before, let's see, from the 2020 season until now. Among players who have had over 500 plate appearances, here are the leaders in adjusted OPS. Number one, Juan Soto. Number two, Bryce Harper. Number three, Brandon Belt. Number four, Fernando Tatis Jr. Number five, Ronald Acuna Jr. Then you got Vlad Jr., Jose Ramirez, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Aaron Judge. That is the company he's keeping uh, over the last two seasons. And that's absurd. That's absurd. And it's kind of like the perfect storm for the Giants where, you know, A, he knows the Wi-Fi passwords and, you know, he knows how to get the, he knows the back roads to the ballpark. Uh, B, he's not going to need a five-year deal at his age with his relative injury history. Like he shouldn't be looking for some wacky Scott Boris special. So there's that that should interest the Giants. And he just, he embodies what the Giants are trying to do, their philosophy there. Uh, see ball, hit ball, make sure it's a strike that you want to swing at. It's It all seems like a perfect storm. It does, and I think the only thing that's going to make it difficult is if there are market forces. Uh, if someone off, offers him a four-year deal, um, you know, Alex Pavlovich was saying the other day on the air that he thinks Belt's going to get a four-year offer. I, I, I don't know. It's It's... 
I, I don't know if we can predict that, um, but um, you know, it's and we don't know what the what's going to happen with the CBA and what's if there's going to be a big freeze out and if guys are going to get multi-year offers or if this is going to be a really lean year for free agents and you know I don't know it's it's really hard to predict but um you know I'm sure that the Giants are going to make uh, an effort to bring him back but I think they also are going to have some some limitations on it because you know it is a position that you can cobble together um inexpensively but this guy is just just the the prototype for for what they value offensively and if they think that they're going to be able to get uh you know some decent seasons out of him uh, age 34 35 36 when you probably will have a dh in the uh, american league too although he's so good uh defensively at first base and those skills generally age pretty well so I, I don't know. I, I think he'd be worth it, uh, even if they have to extend themselves a little bit. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. After the 2018 season, I'll be honest, I was in favor secretly as as just kind of like I think the Giants should trade Brandon Belt to the Yankees just to let him roam free. Like, you know, go like you're you're letting a beautiful parrot out of its cage and, you know, fly free, little parrot, Uh, because it just wasn't working at Oracle Park. He deserved a short porch like Yankee Stadium. He was he had good years left, I felt. Uh, so I was like secretly rooting for it, uh, but it turns out, no, he can do this at Oracle. I mean, I know the the new dimensions helped, but just in general, his career renaissance and just the way he's meshed with this new front office, this new coaching staff, uh, it's as impressive, if not more impressive than what Posey and Crawford have done. Uh, just because he was already, you know, he's, it's not like he's a different player. He's just more of the Brandon Belt we know. It, it's just extra Brandon Belt, and it's been remarkable. Yes, extra Belt, extra Belt. I, I think I think Crawford is the one that's the biggest surprise just because he's played a long time and, and had never had an offensive season like this. And I know he'd won a Silver Slugger in 2015, but, I mean, the way that he's just hitting the ball with authority, especially the left field and getting him to go over the fence. I mean, he's still doing it. He's still coming up with big at bats. And, 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 uh, and we know that the Giants thought enough about how his skills will age that uh, they gave him a two-year deal. And Belt's one year younger. So you could say, well, you know, um, maybe he would get a three-year deal where Crawford got a two-year deal. So, But it's all remaining to be seen. We know the one guy, the last high-profile guy they did not resign is Madison Bumgarner. And for the first time, he is going to be pitching at Oracle Park in front of actual living, breathing fans. And he will, uh, in all likelihood, have Buster Posey in the lineup. And the timing is not awkward at all for this to be happening right now of all t- of all time. So what, what, what are you looking forward to seeing out of this? I don't know. I will say, I mean, I tweeted yesterday. I found an article I wrote in May 
where I said, you know, it's going to be Madison Bumgarner is a good story now for the Diamondbacks, but you won't be so happy when on September 30th, he's starting against the Giants when they have a chance to make the postseason. And by golly, I got the exact date right. And I have to toot my horn on this here podcast. Uh, it's weird. It's weird as heck. I, how do you not giggle if you're Buster Posey and Madison Bumgarner when you face each other and, and step in against each other? I guess those aren't the two giggliest of, of players. But still, it's like it's going to be so weird. Like they've shared so much, done so much. Uh, they have enjoyed a good hug or two together. Uh, so it is uh, it's going to be wild. And uh, it would also be much easier on everyone if the Giants uh tagged him for eight Ernie's. Yeah, so Grant, you're a warlock, first of all, and I don't understand why you <laughs> use your powers the way you do. Do you want to go to the racetrack later, or maybe you could give me some stock tips, or perhaps, I don't know, um, some college football parlays? I don't know. Just, just I'll, I'll, I'll blindfold you, and you can just point to a, a place on the piece of paper, and that's where I'll put my bet. Yeah, no, I I, I have a friend who texted me about the Giants, and we're, we're chatting about, like, gosh, this, this season. He goes, uh, I'll read his text uh, verbatim. Uh, quote, it's nice that Farhan is here making the Giants a good team, but I feel like he should be running the U.S. economy or something. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> that's how I feel about Farhan. It's like, it's great that you can find Lamont Wade Jr., but uh, uh, climate change. Have you ever thought about climate change? Is there something, you, is there a Lamont Wade Jr. of climate change that you could somehow rustle up? You know, it's funny. Um, when I talked to Farhan at length, it was probably like a 45-minute interview for the piece that I wrote a couple weeks back about um, like basically the point of the story was we know that they're going to extend Gabe because he's got one year left on his contract. And when they do that, they're probably going to extend Farhan too and put those guys on the same schedule. And uh, I asked them, I asked both of them the question. It wasn't, you know, what they think about their contract or whatever. Neither of them really wanted to talk about that. But I did not want to make the assumption that either of them wanted to do this forever because mm. both of them are really talented people. They could be doing a lot of things. And we know there are some super, super smart people in this world and all they do is push money around or all they do is, is you know, uh, trade derivatives or, or whatever. Um, and you could you could argue that uh, you know, running a baseball team is just moving around, you know, widgets and, and winning baseball games is, you know, my guys in my pajamas are, are winning more than your guys in your pajamas. How does it change the world? And I, and I asked him, you know, is there something else you'd really want to do? And he said, I, I really love being here. I love the culture of this organization. I'll be here as long as they want me to be here. And I think what they recognize is that, you know, having their positions gives them a platform. And that platform allows them to make some changes and do some things that do change, you know, uh, the world, change uh, uh, the way people think about things, uh, you know, whether it's hiring someone like Alyssa Nacken or speaking out uh, for mental health or, uh, you know, doing some of the things that they can do with the platform that's afforded to them. And, um, you know, I, I thought, uh, he, but Farhan did say sometimes it feels like this, this is a little bit of an indulgence, this job. And I mm -hmm. said, buddy, you're building the baseball team. My job is to write about you building a baseball team. So indulgent city, welcome to it. That's me right here. So, but it, it did make me feel a little good. Like, yeah, okay, let's use our platforms. And then we don't have to feel so bad about having a job where we talk and write about baseball. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I struggle with it a lot. I think I've mentioned it on, on the show before. Um, but it, uh, you know, it's good to have a little counterbalance for, uh, you know, Charles Johnson, I think. If, if you're going to use that platform and you have a Giants owner uh, with whom a great percentage of the fan base disagrees, uh, hey, it's, it's going to take the, the edge off a little bit. But uh, maybe I'm in a little over my skis right now. So You know what, though? Let's go into the deep powder. I, I do want to ask you about this because anytime that it gets mentioned on Twitter, 
there's immediate blowback on it. And and I actually think some really good conversation has come up because Alex tweeted about the attendance and I, I quote tweeted him and, and said, yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that the attendance has you know been under 30,000 on this homestand so far. And there's a lot of reasons for it. And we know that it's a pandemic and it's not meant as a criticism. It's not meant at all to say, oh, these you, you're not a real fan if you're not at the ballpark. We get it. We get that it's, it's you know, there's a lot of reasons why people aren't coming to the ballpark. But then, you know, you go to Dodger Stadium, you go to Coors, you go to some other cities and, you know, they're, they're uh, it's a different uh, situation. So, um, it, it's it's really for me just meant as an observation. It's something that the players and coaches are observing too, not in a judgmental way, but just observing it. And I guess what would be your observation on the fact that um, you know there, there's still some big empty uh, sections in the ballpark for a team that's you know won 104 games. Uh, you know it's it's something I, I feel as if I can speak on because. I have the ability to go to whichever Giants game I would like to go to for free, and I get to sit behind home plate, basically in uh, in like kind of a climate controlled area. Like there is no reason for me not to go to as many games as I can. Uh, but I, I I haven't since the Delta variant. Uh, just for uh, you know, it's not necessarily that I'm worried about myself getting sick. Uh, you know, I'm vaccinated. I, I think I'd be fine I, if I were even symptomatic. But I, I spent a lot of time with my parents with my mother-in-law. Um, and when you get older, the immune system acts a little bit differently with the vaccine. So I just don't want to risk it. And there's just been a, a real sea change in uh, the risk reward uh, receptors in, in your brain where you just identify this and go, listen, it would be cool as heck to go see a Giants game. Uh, that's just not where I'm at right now. That's just, I, I, I don't think that that is what I can do. When the postseason comes, I will change that uh, risk-reward calculus, and I'm, I will go to a lot of games. I'll sit in the press box, and I will take my mask down to drink water and coffee and stuff like that. And I think a lot of fans are going to have that in this region. It's just, it's a different mentality. It's just, it's not Colorado. It's not other places in the country. It's not even LA. It's just, you know, it's, it's a very serious, I don't know what the difference is, why it's so regional. But San Francisco, the Bay Area in general, just doesn't mess around really with this. And maybe to a fault, but I don't know. I think it's just, it's 100% the pandemic. Yeah. You know, again, it's not to say that, oh, you're, you're being way too risk averse or whatever. There are people who have kids at home and the kids, uh, you know, have not been vaccinated yet. There are, you know, there, and really it opened up a lot of, of dialogue that was really helpful for me to hear and maybe for other people to hear about, you know, there are people who really have issues around parking or taking public transit or, um, you know, with the construction going on around the ballpark and lot A being all torn up right now. Um, you know, there were several people who made the point that, hey, look, there's a lot of people who work in San Francisco who would go to a night game on a weekday after work. And a lot of those people are working from home and, mm. and they're not in the city. Um, so yeah, that's a great point too. And then season ticket holders, they had to make decisions early on uh, in you know April when we didn't know what the heck was going on still and most people hadn't gotten vaccinated yet uh, they had to make decisions on what they were going to do if they were going to move their their um, their deposit on to 2022 and a lot of them did it uh, so uh, you know you can't blame people for doing that either so again it's it's I think it's just an interesting thing to talk about uh, to observe um, and um, you know I I, I, I still think that when you know when uh, when we get to postseason baseball 
uh, it, it, the crowds are going to be, however many people are there, uh, whether it's a sellout or not, I, I think that the crowds are going to be super engaged and super energetic and, and it's going to be, um, it's not going to, we're not going to lack for atmosphere, put it that way. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think the, the easiest way I can put it is I haven't been really tripping about it. Like I just, I, I see it and I don't look at the attendance and go, gosh, you know, what in the heck's going on? It's, it's, I feel like I understand why the Giants would be in this position, uh, even when when they're winning uh, 104 freaking games, uh, why they aren't filling the stands like they used to. It's just, it's, you know, it's a pandemic nonsense, which we are uh, all, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, a little tired of. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. All right. Well, this has been episode 166 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Boy, we're going to be back on Monday and we'll know things. We will know everything. We'll know what the Giants did, uh, what the Dodgers did, uh, if the Brewers took care of business, if the Padres somehow uh, reverted to some magical Giants-beating team after slumping out of Los Angeles. There will be some closure uh, before the month of non-closure, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and we'll know exactly what that final number will be, whether it's 105, 106, 107, 108. That would tie the the 75 Reds and 86 Mets for the most wins uh, in uh, the post-expansion era by a National League team. I mean, your 2021 Giants, sneakily elite. I found our uh, season preview podcast from March, uh, late March, you know, like, you know, hey, what do we think about the season? I haven't listened to it yet, but I bookmarked it because I just want to go back and, and listen and giggle. I just, it sounds like fun. I might do that right now. <laughs> this has been episode 166. We'll be back on Monday. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>